A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Welcome to Part-Time Genius, a production of iHeartRadio. Guess what, Mango? What's that, Will? All right, so one thing I love about comics is all the captains. Uh, What do you mean, captains? You know, like Captain America, Captain Marvel, Captain Planet, and of course I have to save the best for last, Captain Caveman. Uh I love Captain (laughs) Caveman. But this week I came across one that I bet you've actually never heard of, Captain Tootsie. Have you heard of Captain Tootsie before? I have no idea who Captain Tootsie is. All right, so Captain Tootsie was a superhero, debuted in 1943 during what's known as the Golden Age of Comics. But Captain Tootsie does not feel like he should have come from this Golden Age, actually. Oh, Why is that? Well, for starters, Captain Tootsie was created explicitly to sell Tootsie Rolls. So (laughs) chances are, if you bought a comic between 1943 and the early 1950s, it probably included a one-page comic ad in which Captain Tootsie would perform all kinds of daring deeds, like rescuing a pilot of a crashing plane or taking down a bear with a sniper rifle, you know, all those amazing things. But The captain didn't go on these missions alone. He always brought his secret legion with him. So who's in the secret legion? Oh, it's it's an intimidating crew. It's three eight-year-old boys named (laughs) Rolo, Fatso, and Fisty. (laughs) And all of them ate a lot of Tootsie Rolls, you know, to kind of help them get the job done. It just makes sense. And so anytime danger reared its ugly head, the captain would just reach into his bag, pull out some energy-packed Tootsie Rolls, and they'd all power up for the challenge, you know? Which sounds like a delicious way to deal with these situations. So uh, what, what happened to Captain Tootsie? Well, I mean, I know what you're thinking. You would you would imagine that this sugar-fueled bear-fighting superhero would just stick around for ages. But by 1950, for some reason, the company decided he should hang up his shoulder bag of candy for good. And by that time, other genres like science fiction and westerns had all really taken off. 
So I, I love the idea that people used to love to read about adults fighting crime with eight-year-olds, but then, uh, <laughs> but then science fiction put that genre out of business. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's weird. But if nothing else, the captain's a good reminder that not all superheroes are created equal. There are plenty of duds in the mix, and those are the ones we want to shine a spotlight on today. All the characters who've been saddled with useless superpowers, silly motivations, are just unfortunate fashion choices over the years. In other words, nine oddball comic book characters they'll probably never make a movie about. So let's dive in. Hey there, podcast listeners. Welcome to Part-Time Genius. I'm Will Pearson, and as always, I'm joined by my good friend, Mangesh Hot Ticketer. And on the other side of the soundproof glass, delicately working the knobs with these giant green Hulk hands. It's been a while since I've seen these things, but our producer, Lowell, has dusted them off and he is going at it. I imagine it's kind of hard to get the volumes just right when you're smashing the boards with those Hulk hands, but we do appreciate the effort, Lowell. You know, and after a long hiatus, joining us once again on the phone, our researcher, Gabe Luzier. Hey there, Gabe. Hey, guys. It's great to be back behind the mic. Thanks for having me. Gabe, I, I'm so excited to have you here because I know it was your birthday this weekend. So normally when I wash my hands now for 20 seconds, I, I, I sing that Outcast song. I'm sorry, Miss Jackson to myself. <laughs> Adjust the chorus. If you do it twice, you're good. But uh, this weekend, I sang just for you. Happy birthday to Gabe when I was washing my hands. So I feel like you should feel honored, but uh, but how is your quarantine going? Uh, so far, so good. You know, uh, staying indoors quite a lot. I'm thankful for this opportunity to uh, talk to people outside of uh, the house for a change. And Will, how's uh, life in in Birmingham? You know, we're uh, we're hanging in there. Day uh, week two of of homeschooling slash trying to get some work done. But yeah, it is like Gabe said. It's really nice to connect with the outside world. And since Gabe is the guest and it was his birthday, I, I feel like he should kick this off. And and actually, Gabe, you actually know a lot about comics. No, no offense, Mango, but I, I feel like we're just kind of <laughs> kind of pretending here. Absolutely. All right. So here's my first pick. I want to talk about a 1940s crime fighter known as the Red Bee. So uh, the Red Bee is actually, don't tell anyone, but his secret identity is Rick Raleigh. He's a, an assistant district attorney who kind of got tired of seeing criminals, you know, set free on technicalities. So he decided to take justice into his own hands. Of course, the way he chose to do this is a little bit strange. He uh, put on a yellow and red stripy costume, of course, and he charged into battle with an actual bee as his sidekick. <laughs> And I mean, you, you got to remember, this was back in the early days of superhero comics. Uh, the characters, they, you know, mostly took the form of kind of like pulp vigilantes, like the shadow or something like that. So uh, they may have worn colorful costumes, but they fought largely with their wits and their fists. And, uh, you know, they only had a slight edge over the mob bosses and the crooked politicians that they were squaring off against. There were no, you know, super powered uh, supervillains. And in the Red Bee's case, his special edge was uh, Michael. And uh, Michael was a trained bee that lived in a secret compartment 
inside of his owner's belt buckle. And, uh, you know, he could be unleashed on unsuspecting foes, uh, you know, whenever he was needed. So uh, first off, I, I just love that this killer bee is named Michael. Like it is so <laughs> vanilla and killer Mike was right there for the taking. But also bees can only sting once before they die. Right. So Michael can't be that much of a help. Mm, well, to that, I say, how dare you? Uh, you have <laughs> obviously never met a bee like Michael. Uh, because unlike your average bee, Michael could sting really as much as he wanted without dying. But that said, you know, you're right. A single bee isn't all that much of a threat, even one that can kind of sting with impunity. That is, you know, unless the criminal is allergic to bee stings. But uh, in later stories, the red bee, he actually upped his game by stuffing uh, an entire swarm of specially trained bees into his belt buckle to kind of keep Michael company. And uh, I don't know about you guys, but that's my kind of hero. I love that. It's so ridiculous. So uh, there have been a few different superheroes named Black Condor over the years. But the original character from 1940 is the best. And it's all because of his backstory. So here's how it goes. Uh, there's this archaeologist named Richard Gray. He goes on this dangerous expedition to Mongolia. And uh, he decides to bring his wife and infant along. And sometime later, tragedy strikes. The couple is attacked and killed by a group of raiders. Uh, and the baby, Richard Gray Jr., survives. But he obviously has no way of fending for himself. But as luck would have it, a flock of highly intelligent condors comes along at just the right time and they take pity on the boy and decide to adopt him and raise him as one of their own. So, you know, Gray doesn't fit nicely into this avian family at first, but over the years, he actually teaches himself to fly like the condors who raised him. And that's the origin. But what's weird about it is he doesn't get pecked by a magic condor. He, he isn't struck by a meteorite. He doesn't do anything supernatural. He doesn't wear a jetpack or a wingsuit. He just straight up flies around like a bird. And it's all because he just decides to. And that's, I think, what makes this so stupid. <laughs> like, as the first issue explains, like he simply, quote, puts his keen mind to the task of studying the movements of wings, the body motions, air currents, balance, and levitation. And after some studying, quote, his determination was rewarded by success. Wow. So you're probably wondering, like, how does an orphan who learns to fly from condors get the name Black Condor, right? A human who later takes him in. He teaches him to become human and read and speak and all that. And he gives him the name Condor because he was raised by birds and Black Condor because he has black hair. <laughs> Oh, wow. Okay. That's not quite where I thought that was going. But uh, also, I mean, does this guy even count as a superhero? Like, it, it sounds like he's just flying around doing bird stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say. Once Black Condor gets up to speed, like on the human world, he eventually migrates to America, where I guess all the crime is, assumes the identity of a U.S. senator who has just died, which <laughs> is such an elaborate story. But from that point on, he starts leading a new double life politician by day and bird vigilante by night, which is pretty great. God, that's just so, so amazing. Um, <laughs> all right, well, here's another weird Golden Age comic character. This is Victoria Murdoch. But unlike the Red Bee and the Black Condor, whatever, Victoria was a supervillain who went by the name Asbestos Lady. And that just sounds <laughs> so scary. But Victoria was a brilliant chemist gone mad, and she used her knowledge of asbestos to create this fireproof suit for herself which she then used to carry out a series of arson-based robberies. I mean, it's a dated idea now because asbestos will get you crazy sick, obviously, but her MO was to use a flamethrower to create this wall of fire around a bank, and then with the police held at bay, she would rob the place inside her asbestos-lined suit. So she eventually became a recurring arch-nemesis for the Human Torch, 
whom she fought using these special asbestos bullets that she designed just for him. I mean, yeah, she must have been like super smart knowing how to do all this stuff. But of course, if you know anything about asbestos, you know that draping your body in this stuff is not particularly safe. <laughs> But in 1947, asbestos was viewed as this miracle material, and it was the go-to choice for fireproofing, popping up in everything from roof insulation to firefighter uniforms. So Victoria Murdoch spent nearly two decades in this asbestos suit when weirdly science caught up with the storyline. And, and it is sad to say that it's a case of art mirroring science. It was later revealed that she had succumbed to mesothelioma. Yes. <laughs> So dark. That's pretty dark. Yeah. Oh my gosh. All right. Uh, well, here's something I never would have guessed before this week. The first ever cross-dressing superhero was a character named Madame Fatal, and they were created way back in 1940. Of course, you know, that said, the depiction is about as nuanced and thoughtful as you might expect given that era. And, you know, the character was never meant to explore gender expression or anything weighty like that, but it's it's still pretty amazing that this happened at all, right? Like, I mean, for all kinds of reasons. And, you know, once I explain this, you're, you're going to see what I mean. So here's how the story went down. A young girl in Manhattan gets kidnapped from her father, who's a, a wealthy actor named Richard Stanton. Stanton decides to kind of put his talents as an actor to use in order to get his daughter back. So he goes undercover and he infiltrates the gang that took her. Uh, but here's the thing. Stanton decides that for some unknown reason, the best way for him to gain access to this uh, shady criminal underworld is by dressing up as an elderly woman with a cane and introducing himself as Madame Fatal. It's, <laughs> you know, an unusual choice that's uh, never really explained in the story. <laughs> um, you know, Stanton is a, a good fighter. He's a master of disguise. So it didn't really have to be the old lady. You know, he didn't have to go that route, but, mm -hmm. uh, you know, whatever works, I guess. And uh, in the end, uh, it helped Stanton get his daughter back. So, you know, that basically means that Madame Fatal is kind of like the Mrs. Doubtfire of superheroes. And no question. You can't beat that. So now I want to talk about some uh, characters with questionable superpowers. And uh, I'm going to do that with this DC character known as Matter Eater Lad. I've actually talked about Matter Eater Lad before uh, because he's kind of a favorite of mine. And the thing he does is eat matter. Like, that's all he does. But it's all types of matter. And uh, you name it, he can eat it, no problem. And while that ability isn't all that helpful on the battlefield, it does come in handy if he's trapped somewhere because he can just eat his way out. Or uh, if he needs to dispose of a dangerous object, again, he can just eat it. The lad's powers were deemed useful enough to earn him a spot on the Legion of Superheroes. And this was back in the 1960s. I think the most modern aspect of Matter Eater Lad's powers is that he is a super taster. So not only can he eat anything, but he can also analyze the composition of anything he puts in his mouth, which makes me wonder if normal super tasters don't like grapefruit or cilantro or super spicy foods. I wonder if that's like his kryptonite. Yeah, it could be. I, I think the question it raises for me, though, the thing I'm more confused about is why do they call him a lad when he is clearly an adult man? <laughs> Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, maybe he's got like a growing boy's appetite. Yeah. I, 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 have, I have no idea. But we do have more characters to dig into right after this break. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for the eligible bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. <gasps> what? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Part-Time Genius, where we're talking about the strangest characters in comic book history. So just before the break, Mango introduced us to maybe my favorite name of superheroes today, Matter Eater Lad, which is just such a weird <laughs> name. And it's something we're all very thankful for, I'm sure. And, and speaking of descriptively named superheroes with absurd powers, there's no way to get through this episode without talking about the next one. It's another classic DC hero Arm fall off boy. That that is exactly <laughs> what his name is. The character made his debut in 1989 when he auditioned for a spot on the Legion of Superheroes and promptly got rejected for having a power that was even weirder and less useful than Matter Eater Lad, whom you'll recall did earn a spot on the team. So once again, it's all right there in the name. Arm Fall Off Boy has the ability to remove his arms without being harmed. So for instance, in the issue where he tries out for the team, he demonstrates his skill by pulling off his arm 
and wielding it like a makeshift club. Now, needless to say, this fails to impress the legionnaires who quickly brush him off with a polite, no thank you. <laughs> but apparently, though, Arm Fall Off Boy was undeterred by the rejection because he actually returns a few years later, this time going by the decidedly cooler name Splitter. I don't know, I kind of like Arm Fall Off Boy, but unfortunately, the Legion sees through the rebranding and rejects the poor guy for a second time. Oof. Yeah, that's that's rough. I, I think we can all agree the new name was a big improvement, though, right? I mean, I mean, I guess if we're being honest, it was just so stupid before that it it, it almost seemed worth it. And Arm Fall Off Boy is just inaccurate on all counts. I mean, first off, according to the comic, all of his limbs can be removed, legs included. Secondly, his limbs don't just fall off on their own. He actually has to pull them off if he needs to improvise a weapon. And lastly, I mean, this is how much I've analyzed this game. Judging from how beefy he looks in the artwork, this guy is no more a boy than, you know, Mad Eater Lad was a lad. So it's a stunningly off-base name. And now now I'm talking about this, I'm actually starting to get worked up about it. So I, I know, changed my mind. you sound angry. But... Yeah, it's rough. <laughs> I mean, the weirdest part to me is that the whole limb removing power is just so underwhelming, right? <laughs> like, why would you want that power? At least with Matter Eater Lad, like maybe you can win the Coney Island hot dog eating contest or, you know, something like that. But if you're going to rip off your arm to use it like a club, why not just carry a club around? <laughs> yeah, it's like <laughs> this guy has absolutely no access to anything else. And it's almost it's like. Would an arm really be that great of a club to use? Just like fleshy and everything, not even all that hard. But I guess it sounds like we all agree the Legion of Superheroes probably made the right call on rejecting him. <laughs> yeah, uh, both times, actually. All right, so my next pick is a Marvel character from the 1970s named 3D Man. And he's another case where the concept itself is interesting. Like, it's pretty cool, but... The usefulness of his powers, that's that's the part that's lacking. So for starters, his powers really don't have anything to do with 3D at all, uh, which makes sense because, you know, humans already see in 3D anyway. That part didn't stop the character from sporting a red and green costume complete with his own pair of 3D glasses, which are actually <laughs> very bad for your eyes. Um, and when it comes to his origin story... Well, I mean, it's honestly just as out there as his name and costume. So here's how it went down. Before becoming 3D Man, Chuck Handler was a test pilot for NASA who was abducted by an alien race called the Skrulls. And while Chuck did manage to escape his captors, he was caught in an explosion in the process and the resulting radiation vaporized him instantly. It sounds like that's the end of the story, but this is actually where things get weird because Chuck's brother, Hal... He watched this whole event unfold, and as Chuck was being vaporized, two images of him were imprinted on his brother's glasses. <laughs> you, you follow it? So uh, as it turned out, when Hal concentrated really hard on those 2D images of his brother, he could trigger a dimensional shift that would cause Hal to reappear as 3D man. Whoa. Uh, uh -huh. And that is, of course, a superhero with strength, speed and reflexes equal to that of, you guessed it, three human beings in peak physical shape. But, so like the three of us. Yeah. Right, exactly. <laughs> of course, basically. <laughs> basically. But uh, there was a catch to all this. Whenever 3D Man was summoned, Hal Handler's body would just kind of slip into a comatose state, you know, even as his mind remained aware of his brother's actions due to this uh, psychic link between them. 
So it was kind of a raw deal for Hal. He's just sort of laying there on the ground while all this is happening. But I guess at least he got to see his brother again. You know, I mean, so long as he never lost those glasses. <laughs> I, I feel like I honestly heard everything you said, and I have no idea how those words go together <laughs> to make a story. <laughs> but uh, but I, I have a, a pretty good character to close us out. So first, though, I, I thought it might help to uh, give our listeners a quick refresher on the nature of superpowers. So in the Marvel universe, for example, like superpowers can come from just about anywhere, right? Like uh, it could be like a spider bite, uh, a serum in a lab, a, a gift from the gods, or or in the case of the X-Men, just this randomly occurring genetic mutation. These mutations can manifest in all kinds of different ways. You know, it could be like telekinesis, ice powers, healing abilities, whatever. And no one really has a say in what they get. So the best example of what a crapshoot these mutant powers can be is this villainous character known as Ice Scream. And that's spelled like I as in the organ and scream like the sound. So uh, I, I'm kind of curious, like what kind of mutant power do you think Ice Scream wound up with? Yeah, I mean, based on his name, maybe he can shoot like uh, concussive sound waves from his eyes or something like that. I'm imagining this as like this super intense stare. Like he can stare so intensely that his foes just <laughs> run away <laughs> screaming in terror. That's got to be what That's it is. Good. Right. So I, I didn't tell you there was going to be a quiz. So I, I think you both provided excellent answers, but mm -hmm. uh, but you're both wrong. Uh, uh, what this guy can actually do is turn his body into ice cream. And <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> it honestly makes no sense because like ice cream is a mutant who uh, discovered at an early age that he was gifted with the power to turn into any flavor of ice cream that he wanted. <laughs> and as you might imagine, that was pretty underwhelming, especially compared to like all the things that other mutants could do. So Ice Cream kind of grew up with this uh, chip on his shoulder, and and one day he wanted to get revenge on, you know, more of the high-profile show-off mutants in the X-Men world. So this is what he did. He, he waited until one of the X-Men had a birthday, and then on the day of the party, he managed to sneak into the mansion where they lived by disguising himself as a massive tub of banana split ice cream. Wow. I mean, it, it's a truly foolproof plan, I feel like. <laughs> Yeah, that's what uh, that's what Ice Cream thought too. Except that uh, the X Men's telepaths caught onto the scheme pretty quickly, and the team was able to shut the intruder down without much of a fuss. And you might be wondering, like, how they do it? They just lowered the temperature in the room where Ice Cream was hiding, and pretty pretty soon the villain was frozen into a solid block of ice cream and couldn't change back into his human form. <laughs> that seriously might be the most humiliating defeat in comic history. That's saying something. Yeah, I mean the weird thing is like things actually get worse from for uh, for Ice Cream from there. Like the X Men hired a clown for the birthday party that day, and uh, after helping the team defeat their intruder, the clown actually got to keep the frozen ice cream as payment and since ice cream hasn't been seen or heard from since you can probably imagine what happened to him next wow <laughs> i mean this is kind of a hot take but i'm just gonna say it he had it coming if for no other reason than he spells his name in such a deliberately misleading way being eaten by a clown uh, it seems like a just punishment for that <laughs> yeah <laughs> Well, I'm so glad you're not a judge. Although I do guess you have a say in who wins the trophy today. And 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 I'm leaning toward Mango taking it, but but what do you think, Gabe? Yeah, it's gotta be him. I I mean, Black Condor, Matter Eater Lad, and now Ice Cream. That that yeah. is a trifecta of truly terrible superheroes. <laughs> I badly want to see a team up movie with those three. And for that, I think the trophy's yours, Mango. 
<laughs> I don't think anyone wants to see a movie of those three, but uh, <laughs> thank you so much. And it's an honor. Um, I will say that's it for today's Part-Time Genius from Will, Gabe, Lowell, and myself. Thank you so much for listening and take care of yourselves out there. Part-Time Genius is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's Reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.